Today, I want to talk to you about this thought right here. Dear church, this is your moment. In John chapter 4, verse 35, if you got a Bible, you can make some noise. The first scripture at victory is like the first touchdown on an OU football field. We shout. So if you got your Bibles, go to John chapter 4, verse 35. Yes. And Jesus was talking to his church. By the way, Jesus' church was small. He only had 12 guys in his church, and one of them was a Judas. And so really only 11 worked out. Never underestimate what you can do with just a few people who were sold out to the mission and the vision of Jesus. This is why I get pumped when just a few people show up because I'm like, we could change the world. Like Jesus did it through a small group of disciples. And really it was, it was just a few of them that were fully committed to what he was about to do. But Jesus pulled his church together and he said, guys, don't you have a saying? that says it's still four months until harvest. Now, let me tell you why Jesus said this. In John chapter four, Jesus had just met a woman who was a Samaritan woman and Samaritans and Jews didn't talk to each other. There was a rivalry. There was kind of a division there between the two, two groups of people. But Jesus encounters this woman at a well and he says, you're thirsty, you're thirsty. Turn to someone next and say, you thirsty? Yeah, yeah. Jesus was like, you're thirsty, I could see it. And she goes, yeah, of course, I'm here to get a drink. And he goes, yeah, but you're thirsty for more because you've been in and out of five different marriages. But I love that Jesus doesn't judge her for her past. He loves her in the midst of her pain. And he says, you're never gonna get it from another guy. I can give you water that will cause you to never thirst again. She said, tell me about this water. He said, this is living water. She said, where do I find it? Where's the hope? Where's the healing? Where's the satisfaction? Jesus said, I'm the one you're looking for. I am the Messiah. In that moment, the woman left her jar, her bucket that she came to draw water with, and she follows after Jesus and she tells the whole Samaritan village all about Jesus. And they all come to him in John chapter four. Now this was at the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, don't you guys have a saying that says four months and then the harvest is coming? But I tell you, open up your eyes, church, for the harvest is ripe right here in front of you. Don't say four months and then people will come to Christ. Don't say four months and then we'll start living out our purpose. I tell you, open up your eyes. Dear church, this is your moment to shine. Dear church, this is your moment to witness. Dear church, this is a moment made for worshiping. Dear church, I know you may not be where you want to be, but right where you are is God's purpose for you. This is your season. This is your moment. Everybody say, don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. I was sitting in a room not too long ago and they were playing this song where the guy was saying, I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. See, I'm young and I'm hungry and I'm just like my country and I'm not throwing away my shot. And I was like, that's right. That's right. Somebody say, don't throw away your shot. This guy was living with purpose. He was living with vision. He was maximizing his moment. You got to own the moment. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Y'all are like, what is happening right now? I'm rapping scripture to you. Jesus was saying, stop acting like you got the rest of your lives to start living for me. You're not promised tomorrow. Stop waiting for four months and then the harvest will come. This is your moment, church. 
This is your moment to lay hands on the sick and see them get healed. This is your moment to share the gospel in your workplace. This is your moment to move in the ministry, the demonstration of the gospel. You say, well, one day when I graduate college, one day when I finish Bible school, once I've been following Jesus for a few years, then I'll finally start living out my purpose. But Jesus is saying, dear church, this is it. This is your moment. I, I think about moments in my life that were huge. That in those moments, I wonder if I was really realizing um, <laughs> this is one of those moments. My wedding. And in this moment, I remember walking my mom down the aisle, setting her down. And then, you know, the ring bear comes in, the flower girls. This was a big moment. Everybody say big moment. Big moment, right, right? I'm supposed to be focused and I'm sitting there. I'm thinking I'm standing here at the altar. I remember waiting as the doors closed and my bride was about to come through those doors. And I could just feel the tension it was building. I was like, I was so nervous. My heart was beating. I was like, there's my bride. She's about to come through the doors. And people started cheering and I started tearing up. I was like, that's her. This is my moment. This is my moment. I was getting so excited. I was so pumped up about this moment. And I remember her walking down the aisle and I'm staring at her. But I want you to see something here. I want you to pause on this picture of me staring at my bride. Look at this guy. No, 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 look at this guy. Like, what is going on with this dude right now? Let me tell you, you think he's smiling? He is, he's smiling. He has no clue what's about to happen. <laughs> like, he thinks he's ready for this moment. He has no clue that 10 years from now, he's gonna have four kids with this girl, and they're gonna be leading the church. You have no clue the moment that you're in right now. And, and I look at this moment, and you think, this guy is fully focused. You know, you can be in a moment, but not actually be in a moment. <laughs> Like you could be at church, but not actually be at church. You could be looking, listening to your wife, but you're not actually listening to your wife. And, and I remember staring at her, but I wasn't thinking about my wedding. I was thinking about later that night. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. I was thinking about that. I have been preparing for that. I was thinking about the honeymoon. I was thinking about all of these things. Everybody say, don't miss the moment. And there I was. I was. I was there and I could just hear God saying, don't miss this, don't miss this. Little did I know this would be my last moment with my dad on the stage here at church. That this would be the last moment our family would all be together in the service. My sisters, my brother, my dad, my mom, me, Ashley, her family. And I think sometimes we're in a moment, we don't even realize that we're in a moment. We're so distracted by comparison. We're so distracted by shame. We're so distracted by the past. We're thinking about what we shoulda, coulda, wish we woulda done. Or we're daydreaming about a future flawless season and Jesus says, wake up church. Wake up, you're in a moment right now. Like you are in a moment that you'll never get back. And this is the greatest moment for the church to be alive. This is the greatest moment for you to be fully awake to what God wants to do. Don't throw away your shot. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss the opportunity that's right in front of you. And I think sometimes the enemy says, well, if I can just distract them, I don't have to. The enemy's in no hurry to destroy you if he can just distract you. Just get you to look over here or just to look back and go, man, I, I wish I, sh I should have done that. Let's get this guy off the screen, by the way. We don't need to look at that anymore. <laughs> Y'all are like, wait a minute, what? But I think sometimes we're, we're distracted and we're missing the people that are right in front of us. We're missing the purpose that God has for us in this season.
I remember in college, I was daydreaming about the future. I would just write down vision. And I was so focused. I was futuristic. I was like, yes, the future, the future, the future, the future. And we got to be careful when we say the victory confession, when we say our best days are right in front of us. Because some of us will take that line and go, our best days are in the future. But what that line really means is our best days are right here, right now, and they're getting better and better. Don't miss today. Don't miss what God's doing. Like two weeks ago, my wife was giving birth to our fourth child, and I was in the room, and, 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 and I was there, but I wasn't there. I was distracted. I was thinking about preaching. I was thinking about what in the world were we thinking, having four kids? How are we going to take care of these children? And God was like, snap out of it. Don't miss this moment. Put your phone down and don't miss this moment. Don't miss what I'm doing in your family right now. See, some of us, we walk into our house and we go, man, it's a mess, Paul. Can't wait till these toddlers grow up. Can't wait till these teenagers get their act together. Can't wait till I don't have to change diapers. I feel you. But God's saying, this is a moment. Don't miss it. And don't just miss those moments, but don't miss your moment in your workplace to share the gospel because there's people right beside you in the cubicle right beside you. Don't miss your moment at Walmart at Quick Trip. Don't miss what God's doing because there's a harvest that's here. It's not four months from now. It's right here. It's right now. There's a harvest of joy, a harvest of peace, a harvest of salvation, a harvest of increase, a harvest of life, a harvest of fulfillment. You don't have to wait for four months to be fulfilled with your life. You don't have to wait till you graduate college. You don't have to wait till you get married but if we're not careful church will miss the moment in Revelation 19 verse 6 Jesus was speaking to John the Apostle who was on the island of Patmos he was in exile in the worst season of his life he was having the greatest revelation of God Isn't that beautiful that even in the worst season of your life you can have the greatest revelation of God and here he is having this revelation and Jesus says in and I heard what sounded like a great multitude. John's talking about what he saw in this vision, what Jesus was showing him. I heard what sounded like a great multitude. That's the church. Everybody say, that's us. The roar of rushing waters, loud peals of thunder. Christ is coming back for a loud church, a church that's loud and rowdy, an 11 a.m. crowd church. Make some noise, 11 a.m. Yeah. He's not coming back for a church that's sitting in the corner saying, shh, don't do anything. Let's not change culture. Let's just let the world stomp on us. Let's let Goliath come in and push us back. No, no, he's coming back for a church that's loud, that's influential, that's invading culture, that's taking, that's, that's going into all the dark corners of the earth, that's calling all those who feel oppressed and depressed, the drunkards and the prostitutes and the sinners, that the church is right there on the streets, walking it out, living it out, saying, come on, there's hope for you. There's salvation for you. And and he says, I heard this loud crowd and they were wild and they were shouting hallelujah for the Lord God Almighty reigns. And watch what he says next. And he, and he said, the church was shouting, let us rejoice and be glad and give God glory for the wedding of the lamb has come. Now, this is why I showed you the wedding video, because this is a moment for the church. There is a wedding coming. Marriage is a picture, a symbol of our relationship, the church's relationship with Christ. Christ is coming back for a bride. His church is his bride. And this scripture said his bride has made herself ready. Dear church, you've got a wedding to get ready for. Turn to someone next to you. You've got a wedding to get ready for. Some of the single ladies go, really? Ring by spring. Come on. But there's a greater wedding to prepare for. 
And, and, and the Bible says that the bride of Christ, the church, is called to prepare herself to be so alive, so awake on the earth, so fully moving in the purpose of God that we're making ourselves ready, waking up, opening our eyes to see what God's doing in us and for us and through us right here, right now. Did you know that the human eye can recognize beauty in less than 13 milliseconds? In less than 13 milliseconds, the human eye can recognize beauty. In other words, when you see a sunset, you know immediately, man, that's beautiful. When you see a sunrise, you know it doesn't take you 20 seconds. You go, that's gorgeous. Like when my dad used to love going to the lake, and anytime we were on the lake, he would say, doesn't it look like a million diamonds the way the sun hits the, the lake? He could recognize, the human eye can recognize beauty. You can recognize a beautiful girl, a handsome guy, a beautiful family, a beautiful moment. What makes us think that Jesus can't recognize a beautiful church? Jesus is looking for a church that's radiant, that's beautiful, that's making herself ready for him. And, and you might go, well, what is a beautiful church? Is it a nice building? Is it nice chairs? Is it air conditioned? Is it a nice TV screen? No, 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 no. A beautiful church is a group of people that are united with love, hands lifted high, saying the best days are here and now, and God's not done. And let's reach our city and let's reach our nation and let's be on the front front lines, helping those that are in need. Let's be the disaster relief. A, a beautiful church is a group of people that are moving with God's purpose, moving with obedience living with authenticity, living with a sincere heart of compassion for their community, for their neighborhoods. A beautiful church is not a building, it's a people, people, people. And he's saying, dear church, don't miss the moment because you're in a moment right now that God has for you. So what would this look like? I wanna give you a few things that I believe Jesus is describing his church to look like. Dear church, don't miss the moment to live fully surrendered to Christ. He's coming back for a bride that's fully surrendered. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 9, verse 23, anyone who wants to come after me, anyone who wants to be a part of this church that I'm building, dear church, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow after me. Now, the words here actually means a romantic, passionate pursuit. Like the way that a guy would pursue a girl, God's saying, I want you to pursue the purpose and the plan and the calling that I have on your life as if you were pursuing someone that you really, really liked. See, some of us were just kind of, we're like Sunday surrendered. On Sunday, I'll come to church. On Sunday, I'll wear the ring. But on Friday night, if I can get that off, Friday night, I'm going to do my own thing. But Jesus is saying, no, I want you to be surrendered on Friday night, on Saturday night, on Sunday morning, on Monday in your workplace, on Tuesday. This is not supposed to be just one foot in and one foot out. Jesus told another crowd in Mark 8, verse 34, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Full surrender means not my will, but your will be done. Not what I want. Like when I got married, I was giving up the bachelor life. Thank goodness. <laughs> I was living in a bachelor house with five dudes and it was smelly and we ate fried chicken and we made frozen pizzas every night, pizza rolls, you know, bagel bites. But I was about to change all of that. I didn't even realize life was about to change. I was about to start drinking like good milk. I didn't realize like Ashley had a whole different diet plan for me. <laughs> Everybody say surrender. <laughs> Happy wife equals happy life. Um, 
but she was surrendering too. Like when a bride and groom come together, it's a surrender to your old ways. Imagine if Ashley, while she was walking down the center aisle, imagine if she began to just stop and pick up one guy on a row and another guy on a row, grab a couple more guys. And by the time she gets down here, she's got four guys on one side, three guys on the other side. And she goes, okay, we're ready. I'd be like, what? What? What are you talking about? It's supposed to be you and me. Well, you're still my favorite. Don't worry. I don't want to be your favorite. I want to be your only. The Bible says he's a jealous God. Like not like God loves you and he knows he's the only one who can satisfy you. Dear church, it's time to give up our idols. It's time to give up these side chicks, these extra boyfriends we've brought to the table. It's time to go all in for Jesus and say, I'm fully surrendered. Put a ring on the finger. I'm not just dating you. I'm not just playing you. I'm not cheating on you. I'm going all in. I'm going to be faithful to obey what you've asked me to do. I'm going to be faithful to commit to you. Christ is coming back for a church that is fully surrendered. This is your moment. He cares more about your surrender than your success. Like if Jesus was scrolling on Instagram and he was looking for something beautiful, you go, oh, he's going to like that one picture of me in my bikini. No, <laughs> he's going to like that picture of you in full surrender to him to say, God, I love you. Lord, I'm all yours. Lord, I choose to live for you. He's looking for a, a believer. He's looking for a girl, a guy that says, God, I'm not going to play games anymore. I'm going all in for you. I'm going to serve your purpose. When I look at the stories of the missionaries and the martyrs who gave their life to Christ, who surrendered it all to him, I love the quotes that I find. Hudson Taylor, who gave his life to Christ to serve in the nation of China, he said, if I had 1,000 lives to give, I would give all of them for Jesus to go and minister in China. Talk about surrender. Jim Elliott, who gave his life for the Aka Indians in Ecuador in the 1960s, he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. In other words, when you surrender to Christ, you're giving up something you can't even keep anyways. Because at the end of our life, guess what? Eternity is what really matters. You can't take your house to heaven. You can't take your car to heaven. All you take is your relationship with Jesus and the people you serve along the path, the people you impact with his love along the way. Jim says, when you give it all to him, you gain something that the world can never take away from you. I love what David Livingstone said. He said, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? David Livingstone gave his life to serve the people in Africa, full surrender to Christ. He said, sympathy is no substitute for action. Oswald Smith said, any church that's not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. This is why we as a church we preach a message of full surrender. I don't want to just preach a patty cake sermon to say, keep doing your best thing and keep buying your, your greatest stuff and wear your Sunday best. I want to tell you what the real gospel says, that if you will deny yourself and take up your cross daily, you will find your life. For whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Like Christ is calling us to full surrender. And we give up our biblical right to be a church if we're not concerned about the Great Commission. Jesus didn't give us the great option in Matthew 28. He gave us the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. A full surrender is full obedience. If he has your yes, if he has your yes to obey him, then he can speak to you and you'll obey. He can speak things to you and you'll say, Lord, I'm all yours. I surrender. Secondly, 
This is your moment to live out God's love. God is coming back for a bride that is full of his love. Paul said in Ephesians 3, dear church, I pray that you would know how deep, how wide, how high, how long is the love of Christ for you, that you would be rooted and established in his love. Like God wants his church to be overflowing with love, that we would receive it because you can't give something that you haven't received, that you would receive it and say, yes, Jesus loves me. He loves me. Aren't you glad Jesus loved you at your worst? That he loved you when you were a mess? How many are still a mess and you're thankful Jesus still loves you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still a work in progress. I'm so glad. Did you know you can't make God love you more and you can't do anything to make God love you less? He loves you so much. He loves you today just the way you are, not the future you, not the more improved you. It's called agape love, unconditional love. And watch what Jesus tells his church in John 13. He said, a new command I give you, dear church, I command you to judge one another. Just checking if you're listening this morning. I command you to fight one another. Friendly fire. I command you to gossip about each other. No, no, no. He says, I command you to love one another as I have loved you. Not human love, but unconditional agape love. Not love based on someone's performance, but love based on God's love for you. And he said, by this, the world will know. In verse 35, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. The way that the church is going to shine as the bride of Christ is when we are walking out the love of Jesus Christ here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in Glenpool, in Sepulpa, in Manford, in Bartlesville, in Owasso, in Mounds, in Skyatook, in Bixby, in Broken Arrow, all over the United States of America. It's time to love. And love starts here. Love starts now. Don't throw away your moment. Don't throw away your shot. Start loving people that are right in front of you. Some of us are going, well, you know, in four months, then the harvest will be here. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Love starts now. Love starts here. They're right in front of you. Once I get into ministry, ministry is right now. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it under the work of the Lord. Like where you're working right now is a ministry. You have a platform. You have a microphone. Start sharing the gospel with people. Start loving people. Love is not just words. It's action. It's showing people the love of God. In Matthew 10, verse 5, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, don't begin loving people by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. In other words, don't wait for a missions trip to start loving people. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling a public enemy. He goes on to say next, he says, go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Start right here in the neighborhood. Come on, Mr. Rogers, won't you be my neighbor? Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. You know what love does? Love gets right in there and gives anyone and everyone a handshake, a hug, a high five. Says, you can sit with me. I'm your brother. I'm your sister. Love is not uppity. Love is not rude. Love is not standoffish. Love is not waiting for other people to come to him. Love says, there you are. Not here I am. Love says, there you are. And love goes. And he says, freely you have received. Now freely give. The world will know that you are his disciples by the way that we love one another. But love is sincere. Love is sincere. Jesus told the, the religious people in his time, he said, you are hypocrites because you show love, but you do it from a motivation of what you can get from people. You give with strings attached. A hypocrite was a word used in Greek theater that when an, an actor would come on stage, 
they would do such a great job wearing a mask, they could go off stage, come back on with a different mask, and people wouldn't even realize it was the same person. That's what the word hypocrite means, is someone who could play multiple roles with multiple masks. Imagine if you were at your wedding, and right when the spouse gets down to the altar, they do what Tom Cruise did on Mission Impossible. They go like this. Surprise, I'm not who you thought I was. You'd be like, oh no, oh no. And, and how sad would it be if the bride of Christ was living with a mask, not showing who we really, not living with authenticity or sincerity. Paul said in Romans 12, verse nine, dear church, let our love be sincere. Let it be genuine. Take off the mask, take off the facade. Like be honest, be true, be kind, be authentic, be, be you. Don't try to be, don't give with strings attached. Don't have secret motivations in your heart. Thirdly, he's coming back for a bride that realizes this is your moment to live out your faith. This is your moment to live out your faith. In Luke 18, verse eight, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, the question is, will he find faith on the earth? Where's the faith? Everybody say, where's the faith? WTF, where's the faith? <laughs> that's, that's what it means, where's the faith? Come on, somebody, I'm redeeming all of these crazy phrases out there. Where's, your, where's, where's the faith? And, and, and faith, it's not just speaking to a mountain, it's acting on God's word. Like when Jesus came walking on water and his church was in a boat, they were all afraid of him. And Peter said, if it's you, bid us to come. And Jesus said, come. And I love that Darius Daniels pointed this out at the conference. He didn't say, come, Peter. He just said, come. Peter was the only one who responded to the invitation of faith. Peter was the only one who actually walked on the word of faith while the other disciples stayed in the boat. The invitation is for all of us to begin to walk out our faith. God's saying, come on, believe for the supernatural. The miracles that Jesus did, the church will do, and even greater miracles. It's time for the church to rise up with the spirit of faith and to believe that anything is possible. Mark 11, verse 22, Jesus said, have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will happen unto them. God wants to do supernatural things in your life. God wants to show up on your behalf. Like a year ago, we had no plans to build a building over here, but God dropped a vision in our hearts and said, it's time to get ready to expand this Bible college and a youth building and a children's area for the future of what I'm about to do in this house. I'm so glad that our youth group is not waiting until the building is built to start believing to grow the youth. On Wednesday night, on a regular Wednesday, we had 488 teenagers show up in a mobile setup in the gymnasium and dozens of them gave their lives to Christ. Come on, this is what faith looks like, is believing God for more people to be saved. There's more campuses to start. There's more people that we're called to reach. There's thousands of churches that we're called to launch in the future. There's hospitals to build. There's orphanages to build. There's Bible schools to build. There's missionaries. Like, we've got to start believing that we have more. There's a harvest in front of us. God wants to move in and through your life, but the question is, will you walk out your faith or will you watch other people walk out their faith? What's holding you back? Again, the enemy doesn't have to destroy you if he can just distract you. And you say, well, one of these days I'm gonna walk in faith. One of these days I'm gonna be a big giver in the church. One of these days I'm gonna go on a mission trip. One of these days I'm gonna launch my business. One of these days I'm gonna do that act of faith. 
And Jesus says, don't put off tomorrow what you can get done today. Don't say four months and then the harvest. Open your eyes, church. This is your moment. Start living out your faith. And the last point here is this. God has called his bride to wake up and realize this is a moment to live with his compassion. To live with his compassion. Jesus was telling a story to his church. And he said there was this man who was walking on a road when all of a sudden these robbers jumped out and they attacked this man. And they kicked him and they beat him up and left him for dead and they robbed him of all of his money. And then came a church person walking by on their way to church. And they were in such a hurry, checking out their phone. They, they didn't even see the guy. They just kind of kept walking. And then came a pastor, a priest, and he was still focused on his message. He walked past the hurting person saw him but realized you know i got a lot going on i'm really busy plus he kind of smells kind of dirty and kept going and jesus said and then a samaritan came and when the samaritan walked by the samaritan looked at this man who was a jew and they didn't get along with each other but he said this is my neighbor jesus was saying this is your neighbor anyone who's in front of you that needs help see a need and meet it see a hurt and heal it and he said the good samaritan knelt down and began to lift up this jew and placed him on his donkey and put bandages on him and then took him to a hotel and paid the hotel. He said, I want you to take care of this man. I can't do everything for him, but what I can do, I will. This is like Peter and John on the way to the temple, the, the, the beggar who was asking for money. They said, we can't give you money. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I will give to you. Dear church, this is your moment. God's not asking you to do everything. He's asking you to do something. And don't let the fact that you can't do everything stop you from doing something for someone. This week, you can encourage someone. This week, you can buy somebody a meal. This week, you can go and help somebody on the streets. This week, you can reach out to a family member who needs hope. This week, you can apply this message. It starts here and it starts now. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. In fact, in Isaiah 58, the church was fasting. They had been fasting for a while and God said, let me tell you what kind of fast I'm looking for in verse six. I'm not looking for you to fast food. I'm looking for you to loose the chains of injustice. I'm asking you to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. He's not just looking for a church that memorizes scripture, but a church that lives out the scripture, a church that's known for their love, a church that's known for their compassion. I'm so glad for Victory Church that's known for their love, for their compassion, for their genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, this is it, church. It's to share your food with the hungry. I can do that. It's to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. You could do that. It's when you see the naked to clothe them. We could do that. We did that yesterday. We passed out clothes to people that were in need. New babies that have been born, they didn't have clothes for. We threw a surprise baby shower down on 61st in Peoria, right here in Tulsa. We had many people in the church show up just to serve these moms and give them clothes for their babies and surprise gifts, bows for the baby girls. Come on, a church that's moving with compassion. And he says, and, and don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. In other words, God's looking for a church that's moving with compassion with people that are right in front of them in your own house. Love each other. I think sometimes we come to church and we're like, give me something that just confuses my brain theologically that I got to chew on for the next five years to figure out. And God's like, love 
your wife. Stop abusing your kids. Be kind to your mom. Stop cussing out your mom in your mind. Stop cussing out your roommates. Clean up after yourself. Walk in compassion. Tip the waitress. He's giving you practical ways to be the church. Don't just give her an invite card. Treat her with kindness. Stop yelling at people on the road. Get out of the left lane! He's like, you got a victory sticker on your bumper. Act like a Christian. I just want something to confuse me on Sunday. Don't give me the practical me. And God's like, if you just showed love, you would build the church. Love grows the church. Love grows the church. Compassion grows the church. Grace grows the church. We could win more people to Christ with compassion and love than we could with memorization of all of the scriptures. God wants us to apply his word with love. Like if we took a poll in the United States of America and said, what's the number one word that comes to your mind when you think about the church worldwide? I wonder if the word would be love. Because Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by this one word right here, circle it, love. And love is fleshed out with compassion and compassion gives with no strings attached. It's moving in generosity. He says, when you do this in Isaiah 58, your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will appear quickly. Your breakthrough will happen. As you begin to meet other people's needs, God will begin to meet your needs. As you begin to give and show compassion, God will begin to do something great on the inside of you. The glory of God will shine in and through your life. Colossians 3 verse 12, Paul was writing to the church in Colossians. He said, dear church, as holy and dearly loved brothers and sisters, clothe yourselves with judgment. Clothe yourselves with rudeness. Clothe yourselves with pride. No, he says, clothe yourselves with compassion. Clothe yourselves with kindness. I took my son out the other day for, for cinnamon rolls and he wore his latest outfit. And it was really cool. I think we got a picture of it. And he was like, Daddy, how do I look? I was like, you look great, Benaiah. He had his goggles on. He had his Santa Claus pants, his flip-flops on the wrong feet, his moose shirt. And he's like, I'm cool. And I was like, you are. Benny has this creative mind of wearing whatever clothes he wants to wear. And, and you know what Paul was saying? He's saying, you have a choice every day to pick out your clothes, Christians. You can pick out your clothes. You can be frustrated, upset, angry that you're not where you want to be, looking at everyone else's lives that are further ahead of you. You can be distracted with comparison or you can be distracted with shame that you messed up yesterday and you wish you didn't or that you're not doing the things you wished you were doing. You're daydreaming about the future. But what if you, like what if you went into the closet every morning, even when you haven't had your coffee, like before you had your coffee, you have a choice to choose your wardrobe. And Paul says, go into that closet of yours. And instead of putting on a moody attitude when you go to Quick Trip today, when you go to your workplace, when you go to your college classes, I want you to take out that jacket that says compassion. And I want you to put it on. And that other jacket, that, that belt that says kindness, I want you to get your britches up. And I want you to put on the belt of kindness. And I want you to put on the pants of humility that you see other people before you see yourself, that you love other people before you love yourself, that you're doing like you're living out the walk of Christ, the walk of compassion. Church, I'm so glad you do this. You love so well. You show so much compassion. And, and I want to show something to you, but I want you to know I'm showing it to you because some of you don't realize what you do as a church. Every time you give just a penny or a dollar, 
The beautiful thing about victory is by the grace of God, this ministry is debt free, which means that every time we give, we don't have to give any percentage to a bank. It goes directly into helping more people. And as a church, we're giving every month millions of dollars to help people in need in our city and all over the world. And people every week cry. I mean, this last week we were able to bless a whole lot of single parent moms and we were able to fix multiple cars for people. And they just with tears say, thank you, Victory. You don't know what you did for my family this week. We get calls from people who were in Hurricane Dorian that we were able to give financially and help meet the needs. In fact, in the Bahamas as a church, we were able to help give into some meals that are being given to people that were affected by the hurricane. They're just saying, thank you. You don't know that every time you give, you are changing the world. You are showing compassion through your generosity. And it's beautiful. There's people, there's, there's, oh, there's so much amazing testimonies every week in this house. But I want you to see one of them. This is one of thousands that have happened in the last few months. And I want you to check this out. This is what happens when we show compassion. We had, I forget how many days of rain or levees were in jeopardy. And they had to release the dams and it began to flood all of the areas downstream. It ended up flooding around 1,200 homes throughout Oklahoma, all this farmland. This whole place here that you're seeing right now was underwater. I worked nights and she came, she went to the store or something, came home and seen everybody packing up. Wow. We've actually, we, we, we but he came back. He was on the news, carrying TVs and stuff. Every house in this neighborhood had some kind of damage. Terrible. It was terrible. Rob, awesome. It just wiped us all out. We had five and a half feet of water inside our house. We've been working hard, and these young people here, I can't be more grateful. I mean, it's just like, for somebody to come help us like that, you don't even know us. I never expect people to help like this. It's amazing amazing. This is when you start losing faith in humanity and then you find out how good a lot of people are. You don't see it hardly ever but this was amazing. So here's what we feel to do. We would like to give you a side-by-side -side refrigerator. Provide you a stove that matches it. If you want a dishwasher, we'll provide a dishwasher that matches it and a microwave. We would like to bless you all with that. Thank God. Thanks, Can I hug you? <laughs> I don't know what to say. Thank you. I mean, yeah. here's what we want you to understand. You're not alone. God knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're dealing with and he wants to help you. And he speaks to people to come along your side, to bless you, to let you know that he's always there for you. He's here. All right, now, whose birthday is it? Your birthday tomorrow. How old would you be? Ten. Ten years old. Uh, did you have bicycles? Mm -hmm. Okay, but they're rusty. They mm -hmm. went through the flood. Yeah. Since it's your birthday, okay, they're going to get the benefit, okay, because we're going to buy you guys all new bikes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay? What? Yay! Yeah.
Come on, Jesus. Give God praise this morning. That's you, church. public with this faith in Jesus Christ just got baptized today come on how long you been in this church almost three years almost three years and today was the day down with the old and up with the new in Christ never going back Lord I thank you that Jesus God today Lord has declared that you are Lord of his life he's never turning back I thank you God this is a moment in his life he'll never forget God that he'll always know that you are with him, you are for him. You've given him the victory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, give him a big hand one more time. We love you, Jesus. Come on, man. Church, you can stand up today. Everybody say, this is your moment. This is your moment. Some of you have never been water baptized. I encourage you when I dismiss, we're gonna leave these tanks open for anyone who wants to get baptized today. And we got a change of clothes for you. But I want to just tell you something. I don't know if you could see this, this water that's on the stage. And this is a sign right here of a life that's been changed today. This is the results. Never lose the water. Never lose the water, church. Because this is a sign that says lives are being changed. Where there's a mess, there's a message. Where it looks messy, that means lives are being changed in this house. And I want to encourage you today. Some of you, you're going through a season that seems messy. It just seems discouraging, frustrating. The enemy's trying to distract you from realizing it's your moment. But it's your moment. It's your moment. God wants to move in you and through you. He wants to use you for his glory. And the final part of this message, as you're standing right here, is this. Wake up, church. Live wide awake to God's purpose right here and right now. This is our moment. Everybody say, this is my moment to live wide awake. Like, get your eyes wide open. Get the big eyes. Wide awake to God's purpose. Everybody say, God's purpose right here, right now. It's right here and it's right now. I was walking out of Walmart a while back. And I was with a church member and both of us were talking and this guy came walking out of Walmart. He's wearing a slipknot t-shirt. He had his bags, his groceries. And the church member said, hey, we should go witness to him. I said, yeah, you should go witness to him. He said, you're the pastor. I said, yeah, but you can do it too. And he was like, you do it. I was like, okay. Everybody say, don't miss your moment. So I went over to him. I said, hey man. He said, yeah. I said, can I help you with those grocery bags? He said, no. I said, okay. He said, what do you want? I said, I just want you to know that God loves you. See, you don't have to have a full sermon to preach to somebody. Just tell them God loves them. Never miss your moment because you think you don't have what it takes. You're inadequate. You haven't been through Bible school. You don't know how to preach a sermon. Just share that God loves you. You never know how far that will go in someone's heart. He, he dropped his bags with these big eyes. 
He said, you're the third person to tell me that in the last month. I said, I guess God's trying to get your attention. He said, yeah, I guess he is. I said, do you know the Lord? He said, no. I said, have you surrendered to Jesus? He said, no. I said, when's the last time you went to church? He said, I can't remember. I said, are you ready to give your life to Jesus today? He said, yeah. We prayed right there in the parking lot of Walmart. Come on, somebody. Miracles in Walmart. He gave his life to Jesus. But I wonder who you're going to encounter this week that could just use a, hey, God loves you. That could just use a hug. That could just use a smile. That could just use an invitation. There's thousands of unchurched people in our city that, that need victory in their lives. Like they're defeated. They're discouraged. They're not doing well with God. Their marriages are wrecked. Things are going on in their family. And you know what? It's better to go through painful seasons in a community of victory than it is to go through painful seasons all by yourself. Like God's family is here that we would surround each other. We would pray with each other. We would encourage each other all the more as the day is approaching. And someone's counting on you this week to move in compassion. You could take this message out tonight as a family. You could say, hey, let's be a good Samaritan. Let's go serve some people downtown. Let's go minister to some people on Monday night. Let's go and pay for someone's meal at McDonald's, at Burger King, and tell them that God loves them on Tuesday night. Let's walk this message out on Wednesday and Thursday. Let's surprise some moms in an apartment complex down in West Tulsa on Friday night. And let's bring presents for all of their babies. Get creative with this message. I'm telling you, the sky is the limit. There is no limit. You can move in compassion and the world will know that you are his disciples by the love of Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? You're here today and maybe you're not doing well. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you feel ashamed because of sin. Maybe you feel guilty because of past mistakes or failures. Maybe it was something that you did last night and maybe the enemy just has your head down because he wants you to miss your moment. He wants you to miss what God's doing right here, right now. But Jesus is here and he's saying, come on church, come on man, this is your moment, don't miss it. Don't be in the room and yet miss what God's doing in your life. Don't miss this moment with your family. Don't miss this moment in your marriage. Don't miss this moment in your job right now. Don't miss this girl. Don't miss this young man. Don't miss this father. Don't miss this mother. Don't miss this grandmother. Don't wait for a future flawless season. I tell you, open your eyes. The fields are ripe for harvest. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if God's speaking to you and you know that it's time to get your eyes open again to what God is wanting to do in you and through you. I want you to raise your hand all over this room. Come on, the harvest is ripe, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. A lot of men today saying, I'm ready to start living wide awake. I'm ready to start owning the moment, living out the moment that God's called me to walk in. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Paul, I'm not right with God, but I want to get right with God. It's time to surrender. It's time to go all in with Jesus. No more lukewarmness. No more idols. No more one foot in, one foot out. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Today you're saying, I'm ready to fully surrender. Come on, if you raised your hand or you should have raised your hand, or you need to get down to the altar today. Leave your seats. Come and join me at this altar. This is your moment. This is your moment. This is your finest hour. Your surrender is what God is looking for. Come on, let's cheer them on, church. Let's cheer her on. Today is a new day. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of healing. Today is a day of restoration. Today is a day of freedom. Today is a day of forgiveness. Today is a day of new beginnings in Jesus' name.
Don't miss your moment. Don't miss the moment. I believe some of you, God's speaking to you, that you're called to start moving in greater compassion, to start doing some things that you've been putting off. The Bible says don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Don't procrastinate the decisions that the Holy Spirit's prompting you to act on. If that's you, I want you to just leave your seat. You're saying, I'm ready to step out in full obedience to what God's asking me to do, to walk on the water, to move with an action of faith. Maybe you need forgiveness today. Maybe you need a new beginning. It's time. This is your moment. This is your moment. Maybe you need to get connected again in community, get in a group, start serving on the dream team, start going on missions. Maybe you need to get baptized today. Come on down. This is your moment. Turn to someone next and say, this is your moment. This is your moment. Okay, let's say this prayer together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm all yours. Have your way in my life. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. Use my life for your glory. Help me to be wide awake to your purpose right here, right now. Moving with compassion, living with your love, walking out faith, fully surrendered to you. I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. You're amazing.